Okay, so oh, don't forget our title. Say it again. <laughs> the newest, oldest beverage: colon, give in to the mead. Mead, the oldest, newest beverage. It might conjure up images of Vikings or medieval banquets, but here in the modern times, it's still being brewed right here in our backyard, or as we'll learn, maybe in your friend's closet. On this edition of Under Rocks, we'll find out how it's made, learn a lot about yeast, and stick around for the end of the show where the experts will walk us through a tasting. We've got a full WNIJ crew here. Harold Brown of the Friday Night Blues joins us, along with All Things Considered host Susan Stevens, WNIJ producers Claire Buchanan and Mike Lundgren, that guy from Sessions from Studio A, and our Under Rocks captain, Dan Libman. We boarded the party bus and headed out to learn about the world's oldest, newest beverage, right here on Under Rocks. I'm Luke Goucher. How you doing? Luke Goucher. Yeah. Carson is here. Carson Souza. Okay. And tell us where we are. Yeah, we're at Obscurity Mead and Cider Hall in Elburn, Illinois. Is there a cider master, like a brew master, or how does it? What's uh, the nomenclature? That's that's a great question. So, I call myself a general custodian because between brewing beer and making mead and making cider, but uh, if you go by the 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 actual names it would be a brewmaster in beer and then a mazer for uh mead and cider right what, or what's yeah this? but even though there was some debate on that when we were just at the uh mead con so i yeah. don't know nobody knows maybe i don't know <laughs> there is a mead con and there's a cider con actually yeah. too it's going to be in happening in chicago in two weeks oh where was mead con that was in Baltimore. That was in Baltimore. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Charm City. So what is what is uh, what is Mazer? Like, can you spell that for us? What is M A Z E R? I believe is how it's spelled, right? Yeah. What does it come from? What is the... So mead is the oldest drink. Um, I'm not sure where the Mazer. I think the Mazer comes from the cup, which is is that the original cup? Well, that I think mead that's was? the argument. The Mazer is a cup and not a person, and not a mead maker. <laughs> and so there's where you know when the mead guys start talking. There's where I think some of that rub goes. But I, um, I think in most communication in regards to mead maker, it would be mead maker or mazer. I think that yeah. that would be, okay. yeah, or you know, maker. Yeah. be able to use that way either way. So I, I think we have some basic questions to start. Sure. As, as sure. Even I. You as can a, see it's already complicated, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> as, as a borderline functioning alcoholic, I'm not sure what mead is. Either. Okay. So tell, what is mead? Mead is water, honey. And yeast. Okay. So it's three pretty basic ingredients. Uh, it's basically what we call honey wine. Honey wine. Yep. Okay. So you said it's the oldest drink. What did you mean by that? So literally, all the way dates back all the way to Mesopotamia when honey was leaking into pots and natural yeast spontaneously fermented, and it created this alcohol that was then consumed. Then it moved all the way through history. Uh, Past biblical, uh, yeah. Vikings, uh, you know, honey has always been able, it's been a, not only a, a consumed, you know, culinary or food, mm. it's also made for alcohol too as well, you know, so, well, it also makes alcohol, shall I say, sorry, <laughs> it's not made for alcohol, well, I mean, here we go, we could ask, alcohol. we could I ask would say that maybe it was made for alcohol, maybe that's what those bees are here for, amongst so many other things. Yeah, they say the Mayflower stopped because they ran out of beer, I mean, that's the real fact there, you know. They probably didn't have much sugar back then, too. So that's funny that you say that, uh, the, the thought was, 
because there was no malted barley, they started to create drinks out of sorghum and rye and wheat. Anything they could ferment. Right. Yeah. Just like prison. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Oh, hooch. <laughs> does it, does it, you can store it. It's, is it easier? Does it have an advantage over wine? It sure does. I mean, the fermentation of honey being a natural product, it, it's pretty amazing, actually. Wine, you open up the bottle, air gets into yeah. it, and what and happens? Oxidation. So, yeah, he's, but, he kind of hit the nail right on the head. Um, there's a lot of, like, antimicrobial aspects to honey, medicinal aspects to honey. Uh-huh. So it kind of carries longevity in package um, a little bit more than wine. It's, it's, it's a little more sustainable. But you can open up a bottle of still mead and uh, leave it sit overnight and come back and pour it out the next day or leave it sit for a couple of days. Outside of fruit flies, you know, you pour out the bottle into the glass and you drink it, it's going to taste the same as it did three days ago. And obviously, for most people who drink wine, they would know that that wouldn't be the case. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty amazing product from a shelf stability standpoint. Is it always sweet? No. The answer, that is a fast answer but no it is not um and that's something that we really focus on in this uh meadery is to create different types of mead not your stereotypical meads so uh not always so sweet they could be dry they could be semi-sweet they could be dry and brute you know they could be all the way to the they could be bitter yeah bitter wow. yeah what are you tart yeah yeah on purpose yeah <laughs> What are your more popular ones? What do you find people like? The session meads, I would say, are probably, um, without getting granular on like a certain skew, you know, a certain uh, uh, branded mead, the session mead is, is by and far, by far the more popular uh, style, I think. It's just a little more approachable to your general drinker. And by session, we mean carbonated, lower ABV, easily consumable. So it might be uh, along the same vein for somebody who's used to drinking uh, maybe a seltzer uh, or, you know, a spritzer, an alcoholic drink that has that carbonated bubble in it. Um, we can drop the ABV on the mead and uh, carbonate it, and all of a sudden it takes on a, a much different viscosity. It's right. not as thick, and, uh, you know, it's got that whatever delicious flavor profile, you know, Carson's coming up with, but uh, it becomes a very refreshing, light, easy drinking opposed to, you know, a heavy still mead, which is... Which is Probably what most people think of when they're thinking about traditional mead. So. ABV is alcohol by alcohol volume. Alcohol by volume, yeah. So yep. it's less potent. Yeah, and you're, you know, probably sub 7% when you start getting into some of that session mead where if you're looking at a traditional still, you can be, you know, north of 12. Are the traditional ones carbonated too? No, traditionally there's not carbonation okay. in mead. That's something that's kind of a newer phenomenon as... Um, the oldest beverage is kind of becoming the newest beverage again, right? Uh, and people are really kind of learning about it for the first time. And, um, you know, there's six or seven meters, I think, throughout the state. And there's a handful of us who are carbonating it. And, uh, um, you know, it, that's, it's, it's becoming the, uh, I, I think, the more popular version, the more, I guess, easily consumed version right. uh you can open up a 12 ounce can and enjoy it versus committing to a 750 milliliter bottle you know right so it's not naturally carbonated that's a, carbonation something you add that's a great question it could be okay. uh there's a multitude of ways to carbonate liquid uh we use a uh we use a variant uh we 
start carbonating in the fermenter, and then we also finish carbonating in the conditioning tanks. Is that what these are here? Can we, can we look at your equipment? Yeah, absolutely. Is that, is that okay to say? Yeah, absolutely. This turns from a production facility into, you know, a tasting room. So we play some games here and move things before the weekend starts. Sure. Um, these vessels are called fermentation vessels. They're called fermenters. They're conical fermenters, meaning that they have cones on the bottom. And this is where we ferment our cider, our mead. And then in the brewery, if you guys were over there, there's vi real big ones. That's where we ferment our beer. Um, they're conical for the reason of fermentation. Uh, the yeast either dies or goes to sleep and then it falls out of the liquid, which we call falling out of suspension. And we collect it at the bottom to either dump or to harvest and cultivate more. Okay, so you can reuse it yep. to... Yeah, it's the only ingredient that we can reuse. Is the yeast. Yep. Okay, and then so what's going on with the rest of it? So it's just the yeast eats the sugar and the honey, and it creates alcohol. It's the same principle behind any kind of fermentation. Okay. So we're just doing it on a bigger scale. And how, how, many, how, many, how much mead could, uh, comes out of one, one of these? That's a great question. So these vessels uh, are 20-barrel vessels. So oh, a one U.S. barrel is 31 gallons. So wow. you do the math. Uh, we, we, we most of the time run about 465 gallons per batch. Okay. That's what we gain for. But, you know, when we're ordering raw cider, they come in different volumes. When we're creating water mixtures with honey, we also go by the viscosity and what alcohol by volume we're trying to achieve. And when we're doing that, that's called specific gravity. And that's found by the viscosity of how much sugar's in the water. How long does the process take, and how many times in that process do you have to taste it? I, I, te I tend to try to taste it once a week uh, because I'm not over here. I'm over at the brewery more. Yeah. Um, but uh, mead will go slower, so two weeks, three weeks. Depends on how the yeast eats the sugar, how stimulated they are. And then, yeah, we try to taste throughout fermentation to notice if there's any off characteristics or which way we would maybe need to pivot um, if a yeast stalls or we're not getting what we want. So you're gonna add more sugar? Whatever, yeah. honey, water, whatever we need to. Where, do you have a honey provider? For, where are you getting so, honey? Yes, we do, we have multiple uh, from all, all across the country, just like cider as well. Uh -huh. Our raw cider, we, we are always trying to uh, get as much as possible. And you can taste the difference between the honeys, It's is it? Yeah, so honey's really honey, you wild. Can do a whole show on honey. Yeah, you could do a whole show. We, we planted. Yeah, you should. Uh, you know, uh, and and yeah, you can pull all kinds of flavor profile out of the honeys. Now we stick in a pretty narrow range of the honeys that we're using, but uh, depending, you know, on regionally or what the bees are helping to pollinate, you're going to pull a lot of those flavor profiles yeah. through those honeys, and um, you know those those show up in the mead. So if you're doing a you know a blueberry honey or a cranberry honey. Um, and that those you know, that hive just came off, that honey just came off a cranberry bog. You're going to pull that cranberry through naturally uh, into the meat, and, and uh, frankly, that, that's kind of the most fun about the about the meat making. Right, really, right. is when you start pulling some of those natural flavors through, rather than putting some of the additives in, um, uh, or fermenting with that actual fruit. But uh, um, you know, in most cases, in commercial volume like this, it's taking a relatively straightforward base honey a wildflower and uh, fermenting uh, that and then adding um, uh, fruit uh, flavor 
to it, adjunct to it afterwards. So concentrate. I think about when you just want to buy a jar of honey at the store. It's pretty pricey. So getting the ingredients for this, uh, how difficult is that? Uh, do you have different grades that you get? How do you do it? You know, that's a great question. You know, I think different people prioritize different things. I think we're prioritizing, you know, a quality product and consistency. And, um, you know, on a lo lot of local hives, a lot of local uh, apiaries, you know, they have a fantastic product, but they just can't give us the volume. I mean, Carson just talked to you about the volume of honey uh, that's going into uh, that particular vessel and, um, you know, a large percentage of what's going in that vessel to create the mead is the honey. So, uh, you know, to try to find that consistently uh, is tough. So we've, we've ended up finding a, uh, a blender or a mixer up in uh, Wisconsin, not too far from here, just a couple hours drive. But they've got the product consistently. Uh, it's you know it's priced at a level that we've become accustomed to or, uh, or been become comfortable with. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, don't know if I would say custom is right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always way more than we'd like it to be. But um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know that's that you know that that's where we're going to get most of our honey with that consistency. So you know, I think there's a big misconception in what we do. I think people think it's a uh, a glorious rock star job and it's a very it it's like it, it is very uh it's a very hard job sure. um it's hard on your body it's uh you're dirty it's a dirty job um it's uh it you is earlier. i mean yeah cleanliness is next to godliness when it comes to yeah making so liquid. you know not having dirty fermentation is huge you know so uh everything has to be clean so yeah you are a glorified cleaner and it's also a trade um, it's not something you can just walk into and do. Right. You have to have years of it. You have to bust your butt to get to a level. To be honest, I, I wouldn't be surprised in the next 10 years if you see more of a, you know, a, a combination of it becoming a really identified trade. Right. We always have an open door to, uh, you know, people that are excited and uh, want to be involved somehow. Um, I pay in beer, so you can always contact me. <laughs> the FOBs, friends of the brewery, yeah. or friends of the meadery. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of them, yeah. yeah. Well, where do you recommend somebody start, somebody who's not familiar with tasting mead, and where would Sure. Where start? Um, yeah, I, I think there's a couple really interesting ways to start this. You can, you can, it depends on which way you want to take it, but, you know, if you want to come at it from the apple cider standpoint, that's a, that's a type of mead called a sizer that's fermented with apple cider uh -huh. and honey so you can really step in kind of carefully and you're going to feel like you're tasting a cider we can step in with those session meads and again that might uh have more of a uh seltzer or berlin yeah. fruited berliner vice taste to it um, i'm not going to be playing any sessions so right. I, I don't need a session though. um or you just go right into the still meads and good. you know you, you you dump right in and you say and you commit to the mead you know and that's really uh, it really depends on the person, but that's really the exciting thing about all the varieties that we're making too. Mm -hmm. Is you know there there can be that gateway mead, right. or you know that fully <laughs> committed mead. You know, uh, so. I think one of the, I have a sciency question. Sure. Okay, so honey is something you can just leave in your cupboard. You know, it's uh, not exactly sterile, but you used a term earlier, and I'm trying to remember the term antimicrobial. How do you get something like that to ferment? Does it I'm going to move you back to the scientist. Right. <laughs> okay. So honey is a complex sugar. It's not a simple sugar. Um, so yeast have a little more time, uh, a little more 
it's harder for them to, to ferment it out. So we use uh, nutrient additions in a multitude of ways that take that yeast and just slap it in the face and say, come on, eat this sugar. And that's basically how we get it that way. Um, you know, with beer, it's a lot easier because you're creating a, you're creating maltose from malted barley and it's a simple sugar. And the yeast is like, yeah. Or the cider is just like, the yeast is like, yes. You know, and they really do. I mean, they just eat it up and uh, create CO2 and ethanol and uh, alcohol. And uh, think of it this way. A yeast cell is like someone waking up, like you wake it up and then you eat as many cheeseburgers as you can. <laughs> and because it's a single cell organism, it's... It's not gonna poo. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna re poo itself out. So it's gonna recreate itself, and then it's going to go to sleep afterward. And then, when it recreated itself, that self is gonna eat a bunch of cheeseburgers too. And that's just creating CO2 and alcohol. So when there's no sugar left, the yeast are just like, all right, I'm out of here. And that's really, I mean. It's really how it works. Yeah, it's a single cell organism. This is so. like a horror movie, but it's delicious. It's a delicious it's a horror movie. Yes. It's a great metaphor. <laughs> Our friend Harold down here has been, uh, he's starting to make his own mead. Uh, he's been trying. He's got uh, a, a neighbor who has beehives. So yeah, I wanted to see. Yeah, hey, Harold. Come here. We need the voice Water. of Harold. Yeah. This is Harold Brown. Is uh, WNIJ's blues host on Friday nights. Oh, yeah, I've How's it going? Here before. Yeah. <laughs> Carson. I'm also a musician too. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I uh, put together a batch. Um, I did a banana, just like a one gallon banana batch, and then I did a one gallon uh, peach batch. And, uh, you know, I let them ferment for uh, way longer than I, I think I needed to. I, I let them sit for about three months, and then they came out just bursting with flavor. It was, it was good nice. flavor? Oh yeah. Good. Why didn't you share? I, I, well, I have a, I'm, now I'm letting them I'm letting them rest in the bottle now. Like I drink I drink a lot of it and I'm like, oh no, I'm running out of mead because it it's delicious. And then uh, so I've like I need to put these bottles away in the in the cupboard, let it kinda age for I'm gonna think I'm gonna try a bottle at like three months and I wanna try a bottle at six months and just see what kind of life, you know, happens to the mead. I would start making more. So mead is actually cool because you go to the Craft Brewers Conference, the National Brewery Conference, and there's no home brewers. It's all commercial production brewers. But mead, again, being the newest, oldest beverage that there is, you go to MeadCon, and I would say it's 60-40 maybe. Yeah. 60% home mead makers and 40% oh, okay. commercial production. Maybe I'm skewed on that. Maybe it's the other way yeah, around. Yeah. But either way, it's about 50-50. Yeah. And it's kind of a cool opportunity to rub shoulders with people who are you know, doing it in one gallon carafts to people who are doing it in, you know, uh, 20 liter, uh, <laughs> right. you know, con conical fermenters, you know, all in one room talking about what they're experiencing. It's it, it's an industry. It's just very unique because you just don't have that in beer. And we'll see if we have it in cider. I don't think we have it as much in cider either. The cider con's coming up in uh, Illinois here in Chicago in about two, the beginning of February. So it'll be our first time experiencing that, but the mead we've done a few times. And yeah, it's just it's just super unique, uh, that community of small mead yeah. makers. And, and it's easy commercial. for like the home, it's not like a home brewer. 
it, it, it's way easier to make meat. You know, you add water, honey, and yeast, and put it in a closet, and just make sure your temperature is okay. Exactly. Like, I think from start to finish, the whole process in my kitchen, I was done in an hour. Yeah. And uh, and then you know, like I said, we could have waited six weeks. I think we let it set for like three months, just to really let that flavor infuse, and came out fire. And and the I think the best part of it is I, I felt like. I had this like old timey bootlegger feeling yeah. the whole time. I'm like, next time I'm gonna mix it in my bathtub. Right. You know? Like, it was it was a lot it was a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you have a five gallon bucket in, a, in an hour of time and go to, can go to the grocery store, you can make some meat. I yeah. mean, it really is yeah. that you know it, it's really that uh, easy to step into yeah. it. Absolutely. So. All right. I'm Austin Cliff, and I'm here with Harold Brown. Hi. I'm Harold Brown. And we're here to make some mead for Under Rocks. Yeah. What you doing over there, Harold? Um, right now I am dumping the sterilizer out of the boil bucket. Uh, or pot. Okay. It's not really a bucket. Um, I wanted to get a good uh, clean, clean pot to boil in. Okay. Um, I've sterilized all of our... Implements. Implements, you know, funnel, graduated cylinder for measure, measuring the the gravity of the brew before, you know, before it ferments and then becomes alcohol. Then we okay. measure the gravity again to figure out the alcohol percentage. Um, uh-huh. But all the tools and utensils have been thoroughly sterilized. We're setting out, I should add, to make three separate gallon batches. Three separate brews. And we've got... One with banana. We're doing a banana. We've got some pop-up pulp from my chest freezer. We're going to try in another. And then we got the miscellaneous. Miscellaneous. We're just going to grab some ingredients and throw it in there and see what well, we grab. We grabbed uh, lime and grapefruit, right? I think we're going to... Lime and grapefruit. I've I got fresh spearmint. i got I got cucumbers in the fridge. Who knows? We'll, we'll see how squirrely right. we're feeling. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm just kind of drying out the pot. Uh, just getting it hot. And then we're going to add... Uh, two gallons of distilled water and 10 pounds of honey. Um, then, once that's like heated up and uh, thoroughly sterilized, we add it to the, the jugs, the carboys. <laughs> um, and then, go, yeah. And then, oh, and then you top it off with cold water to bring the temperature down so that you can Got add it. the yeast without... Without killing the yeast. And you've got, uh, you had me pick up some distilled water. Interestingly enough, I found it, I got Parents' Choice. Parents' Choice. For babies. This is, we're making mead for babies. Wait, no, you can't do that. (laughs) You can't give mead to babies. What are you, insane, Harold? Take the lid off. Uh, any particular reason, uh, for the distilled water? Um, we're on city water, uh, and it's chlorinated. Okay. And you don't want to use chlorinated water. Um, heating it will will boil off most of it, but then you... I, so to I'm avoid off f- flavors and to uh, yeah. not kill yeast, basically. Right. right. I'm okay. looking for I'm looking for the freshest thing possible. I don't want any. Should I let our guest in? Yeah. It's our guest host. And assisting us is uh, Memphis. Oh, my friendly, my friendly pooch hound Memphis. Memphis the meat dog. 
Okay, we're going to set this thing to a power boil. Uh, we don't want it to boil boil because it's really hard to get it to, to uh, get back down to temp. We just want it warm. Okay, basically like right right where it's going to start to boil. Right. Where but not a rolling boil. Not a rolling boil. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we throw it in the carboys. Do you just run them through? Pour it into a funnel in each one? Yep, into the, okay. yeah. And everything. Oh, yeah, you got your sterilized funnel? Right? Everything is super okay. sterilized. Like, because uh, it's going to be sitting in a dark closet for the next six weeks. Yeah. You don't want it to get funky. You want it to get funky in a good way, not funky in a bad way. Right. Essentially, this is going to be, by Mike, it's, it's going to be about three and a third pound of honey per gallon. Okay. Which should. Leave you with a relatively sweet mead. Um, okay. And one stellar hangover in the morning. Okay. <laughs> so to recap, we boiled about three pounds of honey to a gallon of water. Right. Stuffed in about three quarters of a pound of a fruit. Yep. Put that in a jug with about I'd say a third of a cup of chopped raisins. And then uh, then we're going to pitch some yeast into it once it gets down to 80 degrees. Yep. And then we're going to wait six weeks. Yep. And then uh, and then we're going to have a little... Then it's mead time. Then, and then bottling time and drinking time. Oh, yeah. Drinky bottling time. time. Okay. Bottling and drinky time. So mead doesn't usually have a good nose. Honey has a funky nose. Um, I feel like you're getting raspberry on the nose here and cherry, a sweet dark cherry. And then you're also getting a little bit of honey. Um, so it's not like beer where you're gonna get all this effervescence and we could discuss what that is. Sometimes mead in itself can be very funky on the nose and then when you consume it, you're like, wow, that tastes nothing like what it smells like. So. I have a uh, rule of thumb is to not smell the meat, yeah. actually, which, is, which is different than where you're at with wine or yeah. beer or some of those other things. So it's kind of a, Everybody's natural, you know, is to put their nose up. And then, you know, you, that's where you start getting some of these people go, I don't like meat. It's like you had one and you put your nose up in yeah. it, you know. Uh, <laughs> but this one actually does have a, uh, uh, you know, pretty decent uh, hint of what's to come yeah. off of the nose. It's, it's, it's unique in that. Do you, when, you, when you sip it, do you, is it like so wine? I, this is a great question. That's a great question. So people are confused with what they get on their palate. Uh, when we do tastings, I'll watch people just take a little tiny sip. Um, and I feel that's where it becomes subjective, but I feel like you don't really taste the liquid until you cover all the taste buds on your tongue. So if I have this much, I'm actually gonna drink this all in one sip. And why I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna put it all in my mouth. I'm gonna cover everything in my mouth because I just had some beer, right? Mm -hmm. Or I just ate some peanuts, or I just had a sandwich, Altoid. right? Yeah, well, then you're just totally <laughs> smoked. You're not gonna get any drink. <laughs> but yeah, you wanna put it in your mouth. You wanna consume everything that's in this, like in this about, I say an ounce personally. When we do beer samplings, I literally will like, if it's, if it's this much, I, it'll probably all go in my mouth because I wanna coat everything and like get every little flavor that I can. So that would be my suggestion to you with this about, you know, this is, this is about an ounce. This is a five ounce glass and this might not even be a full ounce. So maybe three quarters, 90% of an ounce. So okay. I would bottoms say up. Uh, bottoms up. <laughs> okay. 
It's really good. Thank you. Do you, you don't hold it in your mouth? You just drink it like, a, like a human? <laughs> you know, what I do usually is I swish. Okay. As you can tell, I have a large mouth. I'm a loud mouth. So <laughs> I, uh, it's so I, smooth. I cover everything and I just want to get it get everything that I can covered in my mouth because that's now and this is the funny part like when you drink hops you can drink a sip of hops and walk away and 10 minutes later because of the oils and the hops you're going to be still tasting those hops you know uh, honey is very similar it will coat your tongue and you'll still be able to walk away and taste this so what I taste here is semi-sweet dry Raspberry, cherry, wildflower honey, literally. Sparkling, I taste like it's got the effervescence to it. Um, I don't taste any what's called an off characteristic, and that's what Luke and I would call clean. Okay. It's the word we use in a brewer's term, it's, and that's crystal clean. I mean, there is no, there is no off characteristic at all in right. that. Flavor that everybody's probably still experiencing. That's that's just the wildflower honey, just still kind of coating. And, and the fruit. And so the, those molecules are going to grab a hold of each other, and they're going to play a dance party in your mouth. A dance party in your mouth. What a perfect way to describe my first time ever tasting mead, the oldest, newest beverage. This has been another edition of Under Rocks podcast from WNIJ. Thanks so much for joining us, and thanks to Luke Goucher, Carson Souza, and Obscurity Mead and Cider Hall. Here on Under Rocks, we explore unique places, people, and experiences here in our region, and we want to hear from you about what we should investigate next. Send us your ideas to rocks at niu.edu. You can find all past episodes of Under Rocks under the podcast tab on wnij.org. Thanks once again for joining us, and we'll see you next time on another episode of Under Rocks. Little chunks. The, the, the key to this surface area, you know, if I just put the bananas in there, the only thing that's getting to the, the yeast can get to is the surface. And then by chopping it up into little chunks, I get more surface area, which means more consumption, more infusion, maybe. I don't know. I did not realize that bananas squeak so much when you chop them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Memphis's little chewy banana toy. Yes, he has a banana toy, which happens to be doing the squeaking, not the real bananas. I'm helping. I'm helping.